0: Welcome to the Main Deck Podcast. If you like games like Magic the Gathering, Yu Gi Oh!, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Super, Digimon, Flesh and Blood, and many, many more, you're in the right place. For all of our TCG news and content, and links to all of our socials, visit www.maindeck.games. Now, onto the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Main Deck Podcast. As always, I'm your host Dan Green, and today I'm joined by one of my regular co-hosts, Mike Piper.
1: How's it going, everyone?
0: Mike, this is going to be a very fun episode. Uh, we are doing episode 30 today, which is a nice number. Um, yep, we made it 30. 30 episodes in so far, um, and I had this idea because Mike, um, the main topic of this podcast today was inspired by you, actually um you came back recently from the dragon ball battle hour dragon ball super worlds all that stuff yep. um and uh and i was just i'm i'm inspired by you sometimes because uh you know not to bury the lead too much but you did not win uh oh. or make it into worlds even you didn't get the last chance qualifier unfortunately uh despite your best efforts yep. but you came back here talking about how much money you made. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I can't afford to go to Vegas all the time. And I'm like, Mike, what's your secret?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the topic, I... uh, sorry, just uh, I'll let you talk about it just a second here. But the topic of the conversation is making money at events.
1: Yeah. And you don't have to top cut either. I want to make that very clear. A lot of people were probably looking at this and they're like, well, how are you making money at it? It's all about looking like we'll get into way, way more details, but you don't have the top cut. That's the greatest part. You don't have the top cut. It's all about the pricing and everything else. So
0: yeah, Mike, Mike's got his money-making secrets for you all today. So um, I'm excited. I need to hear some of these too, because I, I don't know how to not spend all my money going to events. Um, and so it'll be, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to hear that portion of the conversation coming just a little bit later. Of course, as usual in the main deck podcast, we're going to begin by, uh, just chatting a little bit, a little bit of banter about what we've been playing lately. So Mike, other than making your bank at dragon ball battle hour, what have you been up to?
1: Uh, well, I did just play the grand archive. Uh, that was really cool. Kind of like our first, um, I don't know. You want to call it locals or yeah, we just call it locals. And yeah. um, And uh, you know, I, always, you know, I mean, I'm always playing different card games, you know, Digimon, Dragon Ball, super um, getting into battle spirits, which uh, for those of you that seen the, um, the thousand uh, subscriber video, uh, I would just, I would just like to defend myself and just say, I was very tired. <laughs> it was a long day at work. Um, and now I have my coffee, so we're good. So got my so it's, energy.
0: It's not called Dragon Spirit saga,
1: but it should be. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll defend it there. It should. There's a lot of dragons.
0: There but. are there are a lot of dragons in it, and I get where you're coming from because you you had just kind of combined Dragon Ball Super and Battle Spirit Saga, both games made by Bandai. Yeah. It makes sense. I think you were just talking about Dragon Ball Super when you then said like Dragon Spirit Saga. So yeah, simple um, slip of the tongue, but I couldn't help but poke fun at I you for that. Also. Yep,
1: I fused them. I fused them. But no, uh, <laughs> played uh, Grand Archive, which is a really good like really, really fun card game. Again, we're, you know, not trying to, you know, get everyone advertising all that good stuff, but I just, um, just playing it and win I am on win I will tell you now, for those of you that are uh, uh, watching at grand arc, I am on win I just love the speed of it. Um, I love just the, I don't know. We kind of got some banner back and forth. If I should run, um, uh, uh dungeon guide got dungeon guide you're trying to
0: cut dungeon guide i don't get it
1: no when you have um (laughs) breach the winds or when you have that beseech the wind yeah yeah i feel like which by the way i did i did get my copies i did buy my three good for you yeah i did buy my three i did did right away i was like okay i need i need my four so i do run four in the deck but it was just really it's just really fun to play really high tempo um And, um, there's a lot of like cards you search for, but yeah, I had, had a lot of fun, um, playing that and then, um, did some Digimon this weekend. Um, So
0: this weekend there was an interesting Digimon event that Bandai was pushing, right? You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, they did the, well, for this one, they were doing like the all purple. They actually just released, funny enough, they actually just released an, an announcement before this podcast. You might not have seen it yet. I haven't. Okay. They did just release an announcement where now, um, I guess, they're going to be moving forward with um, Mulligans, and it's going to be, like, full-time. They're ch- Yeah, they just did, like, a podcast. Wow. Yeah, so Mulligans are going to be full, but it's actually going to be different. I guess, supposedly, this is the talk, where it's just going to be like Dragon Ball Super. You draw your five, except you don't choose the cards out of your hand but you do actually shuffle your deck now. Before it was, you took your five, and then you put your five at the bottom, and then you could draw a new five. Mm -hmm. Now you can actually shuffle your deck to draw a new five, which is, um, I'm very excited about. And then they released a new, I guess there's like a new mechanic called like Burst Evolution and Counter. So they're actually introducing Counter.
0: Okay, so as someone who just is not super uh into digimon i haven't really kept up with it since kind of the initial um release where i just kind of i i, I like i don't actually know if i've even played a game i've just like watched it played a little bit sure. um so is there not instant speed like interaction on your opponent's turn
1: in digimon is no it- and there really wasn't because of the way <laughs> the resource system works so like you know oh, yeah with the memory and then if your memory goes uh Um, Below zero, then it's your opponent's turn. So it was really hard to kind of, I mean, yeah, you could activate like your Digimon's blockers and stuff like that. There really wasn't like a response system. Well, now they're introducing like cards that have counter effects where when your opponent's Digimon attacks, you can then activate that counter on that Digimon either for free or from what I'm seeing, it's like you know, it looks like like you can discard cards from your hand. Okay. And obviously it wouldn't be pay for memory because you have no memory, otherwise it wouldn't be your opponent's turn.
0: Yeah, so for people who are unfamiliar with Digimon, it's a very interesting um, basic resource system in the game that was built off of uh, they so Bandai had first released a box set game called Chrono Clash System. Um, where they had uh started with, I think it started with Naruto, and then they added like Godzilla and stuff. It was supposed to be like a, you know, it's like a cross IP thing, but it was just a buy a single box, um, like an L- LCG style gameplay instead of uh, booster boxes, um, and uh, you couldn't mix the IPs together, so you could like play Naruto versus Godzilla, but you couldn't put like naruto riding godzilla in one deck or something um so in that game they introduced this mechanic and then they when they remade digimon they just kind of like iterated and refined it a little bit but the idea is that um there's this tracker in the middle it's basically like a shared tracker between both players that um starts at a certain number i think it was different in the games and when you would play something it would cost some amount of that resource and eventually you know if you played enough things it would so like would start at like 10 or something, and when it would go past zero, it would go to like the negative numbers, which would be your opponent's resources. Yeah, um, so you could like dump like a ton of stuff into play, and as soon as it went below zero, then it became your opponent's turn, and then they could do the same thing, and you just kind of go back and forth sliding that scale. Um, yeah, and
1: it's a real, I like it. I mean, it's a real interesting, um, system, yeah, um,
0: very innovative system.
1: Yeah, I like it. I mean, it definitely. You know, and that was the biggest challenge was, okay. well, how do you introduce, you know, how do I respond to your effects like on your turn? Like what, you know, because of that resource system, it's not like you can just, you know, oh, hey, I'm going to pay for that. Well, you can't because, but I really like how they're introducing um, the the way they're introducing counters because they're on the Digimon itself. So it's not like a card in your hand, but it's on the Digimon itself.
0: Okay, so there, yeah. I was going to ask about if, if they were just like hand trap things like, like in Yu-Gi-Oh! Where it's like, don't, surprise, here's a free thing from my hand that just stops what you're doing. Um, yeah,
1: they could go that direction. I mean, again, this was just an announcement that was just made. Um, sure. But uh yeah, that was the biggest thing. That was the biggest challenge that I was like, okay, how are you going to implement this? Because like in Dragon Ball Super, obviously you can keep energy. You have energy open easy to counter same thing with like you know magic stuff like that but when you're using a system where you know the slider okay well how am i paying for these costs if i have nothing to use anyway because it's my phone turn? i think discarding cards from your hand i think that's really that's a really good idea or just putting them on the digimon it's, itself um so i like it i'm looking forward to it so yeah there was that announcement today they did it in the um yeah, they did it in the, uh, I forget what um, stream they were doing it on, but yeah, it's official by Bandai, so hmm. um super stoked for that.
0: So actually, I want to back up a sec too, because I think slight misspeak here that in that Digimon does have stuff you do on your opponent's turn, right? It's just on, it's security, right? When you, it's like, it's, they've got like, when you take damage, you get a, you can sometimes get a trigger. Is that right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, when they do, like, security, yeah, yeah. So that, that you can, I mean... So there was
0: some sort of interaction, but it wasn't like this. There is some interaction, yeah. It it wasn't this, like, uh, counter-specific type of play that's happening or something.
1: Correct. Like, there's no way, like, when they attack, like, I have to take damage. Like, the only real response is, like, blocking. But besides that, there's not, like, a counter, like, a card that goes, in response to your effect, you know, yeah. System. yeah,
0: I think it's really interesting how um, pretty much every Bandai game uh, has. Well, I think Dragon Ball Super started this way, but then added more stuff eventually. A lot of a lot of Bandai games, at least, really like to uh, rein in the amount of sort of of uh, instant speed interaction with your opponent's stuff to a pretty good degree. Like Battle Spirit Saga, I, I really like the way they do it, where there are um, two very specific flash steps—the only time when you can just from your hand play something. Uh, on your opponent's turn and they're just before blockers and after blockers during combat and that's it um and but then otherwise they have that one burst zone where if you have a card phase down there then you you can respond to a very specific trigger with whatever that card says uh on the burst and and that's it and it's it's um it is nice for i think for just like the uh general pace of gameplay being able to be just a bit snappier when they're just there there isn't always like okay i'm gonna do this do you have a response okay i'm gonna do this do you have a response i'm gonna do this thing do you have a response because that can that can start to overload i think that's one thing that Yu-Gi-Oh has seen over the years too is just that with especially it's especially egregious because like you were saying earlier in like magic and dragon ball super and stuff if you have energy up then you can respond to things um, it, or or lands and magic or whatever. If, you if, don't if have energy, I'll be well, kidding, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but in like, I think magic's the better example of that. Is like, if my opponent's tapped out, um, and there's nothing on board that has like is representing a free effect of some kind or something, then yeah. I can pretty much just kind of go to town, and there isn't a ton they can do. Whereas yeah. like in Yu Gi Oh, it's like uh, I have all these cards in my hand that have like three different triggers that i just pitch and then something happens so no matter what's happening you always have to be like does it resolve does it resolve does it resolve
1: super never so in the early early days of dragon ball super like the earlier sets there wasn't a lot of counterplay yeah it wasn't a lot of the interaction where it's like okay do you have a response Do you have a response but the player base wanted that. Like, that was mm-hmm. something they made extremely vocal to Bandai. They wanted they wanted more of that. Okay, I want to be able to respond to my opponent's effects. Like, when they're doing something, I want to be able to have some type of response. And that's when Bandai started creating more of those counterplay cards. And then they actually banned uh, Minus Killie Zone.
0: Yeah, uh, I remember that. that. Really
1: got That really old school card, just because they wanted more of the, you know, they Wanted more of that interaction, so
0: that was yeah. I was, I think, I was even playing a little bit during that time. The I remember sugar. when I got banned.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was um, back in the day of Shenron, uh, Victory Strike, Triple or Triple Attack, like when I played with the Dragon Balls and play. Oh, that was so fun! Oh,
0: yeah, can are, are those Wish decks still playable at all?
1: Um yes and no i think they're definitely a surprise deck like if you you sit down with one like there's someone there i have no idea what you're trying to do or what you're trying to accomplish <laughs> uh you don't rogue see factor. it in big yeah well big road deck i mean you don't see it in main tournaments like you don't now you see like you'll see some people that'll say like uh sin Shenron is kind of a wish deck no i don't count that as a wish deck um that is that is obviously top tier in the format right now but when we're talking like like you and i like shenron super shenron um even the uh like the blue goku or the the blue dende going into goku um shenron card um you just don't see that widespread anymore
0: yeah i think they should bring that back i thought that was really unique it was a it was a neat different way of awakening you know
1: well they did in worlds uh for the top 8 um uh the top 8 they got an extra card um a special dragon ball so used wow. for those wish decks so who knows i mean <laughs> maybe they're teasing something back. to
0: come yep that'd be cool yeah that mike mike an interesting thing to think about too. Um, and so I, I know, I know that you've been, um, you, you got invited to beta test the digital client. Now we're not going to break any NDAs. We're not going to talk about your experience there, but, um, that does mean that you were playing in a weird format and because that, uh, that beta client only had, um, it was like a lot of set one and two cards and then a smattering of random cards, yeah. um, later on. Um, so you just played a bunch of games in an old dragon ball, super format. And like a lot of card games, this was a format that was slower, kind of more reined in, kind of more basic on the abilities. And then over time, Dragon Ball Super, just like every other card game, just kind of got more and more stuff added onto it. Became faster, had more interaction, more uh, the addition of floodgates, as they call them in the game, and everything. Um, so, for your two cents, Mike, what's what's what format do you prefer? The older stuff in Super or the more current version?
1: I wouldn't say I prefer one over the other. I think it's basically you're playing a different game. Well, I don't want to even say a different game, but it's just like a different format. And it was, to be honest, it was refreshing. It was really nice. I mean, just to be able to uh, play just like the set one, set two format. Um. I could eventually, again, I want to make it very clear because there's going to be some people that are going to listen to this and they're like, you want rotation. No, no, I don't want rotation. But I do enjoy having the different block formats Mm -hmm. just for different style of gameplay. And it was just really cool to be able to play the set one, set two uh, format. Um, And uh, yeah um zamasu like zama i got to play my zamasu so i was happy that was included i'm like oh right awesome. um my set to zamasu nonetheless which kind of brought back some memories i'm like man kind of want to redo my set to zamasu deck now and i'm sitting there like all right let's see because it is it's just really good so um i do like i, I kind of wish I'd, i i like the block formats, especially when you have a game that's I think what they're on set twenty two, and that and and keep in mind set twenty two. But then they got all these other subsets, and you know all this other stuff that came out. So I mean, you're looking. There's got to be what how many Dragon Balls? There's got to be ten thousand. It's got or maybe not ten thousand, but like five thousand. It's got to be up there. Yeah, cards. It's just there's there's so many cards to choose from. So I really like to see, like I do, like those black format again. Don't make it the main format, but definitely gonna help new people get into the game. Super easy, um, but yeah, I know there's tons of Dragon Ball Super cards.
0: Yeah, they. I'm I'm really curious to see when the digital client hits, what's actually included in it, um, because th- I mean, it's it's great to have everything working uh, obviously like it took a lot of work just to get the game to like flow in there and everything and, and from what I saw in the streams it was it was a very sharp looking digital client too it had a lot of nice little bells and whistles to it um, but uh you know once you that's only that's only like half the battle right because once you get the game working now uh, uh, every single TCG is built on the idea that there's a basic rule set and then the cards break the rules of the game if, if your basic yeah. rule set says, uh, something deals one damage when it hits the opponent. Well, then set one. You already have double breaker. It does two damage. You have critical. The damage goes to their discard pile instead of instead of their hand. You know you're already breaking the rules with every single card. And then as the game gets gets older and older, the cards break the rules more and more and bend things and do crazy stuff. And I like I actually just read a really fascinating article um, on uh, Magic's website about how um so in in magic world they in arena their digital client they so they like they are they released arena if you're not familiar with arena it's magic the gathering online it's a great client just to be able to play that they launched it with the set ixalan um years ago and it's been keeping up with current sets so they basically a la- lot like launched it with ixalan and that like that was what was in it like you could just play with that stuff and then um, and then, it, so it was like kind of in a beta ish period for a little bit until a few more sets release. And then they kind of have like a standard rotation and okay, now official standard is in, is in arena. And now it's, you know, it's just been going from there. But then over time, they've been slowly as the developers find time going back in time, pre Ixalan, releasing the older sets. So they released Amoncat remastered. They released Kaladesh remastered. And they're just, so they're going back in the sets prior to Ixalan. And they just released, um, a set called uh, Shadows over Innistrad remastered which covers Shadows over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon and they kind of hit like the not every single card cuz you don't need like all some of these like random chaff draft chaff like commons uncommons or whatever they so they they release the things that are cuz magic's a game like that they release the things that are important um, and as they were releasing the set so if you're a magic player you're you're familiar with the like headlining card of the set which was Emrakul the Promised End um who's a you know the the re the second version of the big eldrazi who was the main kind of antagonist for magic for a while um and this is a card where this article was about how when they first were planning to do the set they said we can't do that card we can do everything except the most iconic card from that set because that card alone um would take more work than it's taken them to implement like every single other remastered card they've done yet, um, combined (laughs) basically. (laughs) And, um, the, and because Emrakul, the promised end is a card that when you cast it, you take your opponent's next turn for them. Um, so It, it, that, and, and like in, in paper form, you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, so let me see your hand. Like, okay, you're going to cast this next. And then, you know, whatever. And you just, you just kind of do it in digital form. It's like, okay, so now what does the, what does the player have access to see that they didn't get to see before? And then how do we design it so that every time they do something, priorities passed appropriately to that player instead of the opponent opponent because you you get to make all your opponent's decisions the whole time and it's and it creates this like whole gigantic mess of things and then like that's let alone you know interactions with other cards and things um, and ultimately what they what happened was uh, there were a bunch of developers who um, said you know like the guy leading it just said look we can't do it I'm not going to like crunch you guys into oblivion we're just going to release everything else. But they, they also keep this sort of like extra flex time for developers to work on pet projects, updating things, you know, that kind of stuff. Keep everyone happy. And a number of developers just kind of put their heads together and said, let's try and make Emrakul work in our flex time, basically. And they pushed through and they got a bunch of stuff. And finally, they showed it to the, the lead. And he, they're like, hey, look, I, there's a lot to do still. But it works like it, you can, you yeah. can cast it in the client and it doesn't crash. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh and they eventually decided, all right, well, let's do this thing. And uh shadows over Innistrad remastered launched just last week with Emrakul, the promised end intact. So it's yes. an interesting story because it just brings up that, like, I bet, you know, if you're looking at dragon ball super, and being be like, well, why don't they just, why don't they just have all the cards or whatever? It's like, it's probably a lot more complicated than you think. Yeah, there's a
1: lot of interaction. Oh, there's so many cards I can think of, like even Tragedy Overground. Like, I mean, just being able to say, okay, nope, can't play this, goes automatically in your energy. Like, do you, the, the question is, in the client, do you stop them from even doing it? Or do you let them perform the action and then it goes directly to their energy? Like, there's a lot of triggers that, um, Yeah. To figure out how that's going to work, so...
0: And you have to think about, you have to think about, like, how counterplay windows will work with, with every different thing that happens, too, you know? Because, like, there are going to be, like you said, they've added more and more of these little interaction pieces throughout the game. And you have to make sure, if you put something in the game, everything can be responded to at the appropriate timing. And, like, let's be honest, Dragon Ball Super has had its fair share of situations that we've talked about on this very podcast where... The game's cards just didn't even work the way they thought they did. Yep. (laughs) So
1: exactly. Oh, there was a few of those cards where all of a sudden the player base is wait, oh what? Oh, it works this way. Yeah, you're right. If you read it per per word, it technically, you know, um, I'm trying to like uh, I'm trying to remember the card. It was dark dragon slaying bullet. Yep. Dark. Yep. That one. And it was like, yeah. Oh, so they don't like if they don't have a unison then. This was a stop. Like, oh, I remember that. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that Had to get cleared up real quick.
0: And you have to get unisons implemented. That's another. Oh. Like, that's another thing too. Oh yeah. Differently, and yeah, I mean, like, I don't think anything. I, I mean, I'd be impressed if anything was quite as complicated as Emrakul was. I don't think you have any take your opponent's turns. Um, effects if we instead. have, is
1: they skip a turn.
0: Yeah, and that's that's that part. That kind of stuff's easy to code comparatively, yeah. right? It's just like, well, okay, turn passes to me again. So, yep, boom. Yep. um, but you know, we're starting. You're starting to get there. You got the new Android twenty one. That's like you can tap your opponent's energy for things. That, oh
1: yeah, That oh I know uh, Kevin's quite excited <laughs> about that one. Oh yeah, Android yeah. twenty one.
0: Yep. Yep. So yeah, it, it'll be. I'm I'm really fascinated to see when they actually do the launch. Like where they where they what kind of stuff they include, where they start the game, if they're going to try to start going forward, kind of like Arena did, um, if it's going to be a smattering of just random stuff throughout all. That's probably what I'd guess. If I had to guess, it'd be more like Master Duel, where it's just like, it's not even like set by set. It's just, here's the cards we included. And they're from like all over the place. Um, And then more will just be added over time. That's what I would guess it would be like, um, because I really don't think it's going to be like, I mean, like it could be, it could be that they just start at sets one and two, and then just go like, set three's coming soon or something. But I don't know. I I feel like that would be missing. I I feel like that would be a decision we'd be criticizing here if that's what they announced eventually. Because it's, it's sort of like missing the point of like getting people excited to play digital client. Because then it's like, well, you can play kind of a different game <laughs> than what Dragon Ball Super is currently digitally. So it'd be weird.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see all that, but, um, uh, Mike, I, I want to say just like you, I have actually, no, not like you. I haven't even been playing grand archive lately. Um, I've been sorting grand archive cards. <laughs>
1: oh, no. oh By the I, way, we'll put the plug in to go see his stream where he, uh, he, he opens his, uh, what was it? Three cases,
0: three cases. got oh, ended up, awesome. I wasn't sure how many to open. I up, ended up opening everything. Um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was um, a really fun opening. It was we had a great crowd just chilling with me the whole time. I, I couldn't be more grateful for just all the the company <laughs> while I was opening everything. It was a very fun time. We got to talk about a lot of really interesting stuff too. I think there's people asking me of my opinions on various, not even grand archive, just like TCG related things. Um, and it was a fun conversation and fun box opening.
1: Um, I totally forgot to pick up that Piper's lullaby from you.
0: I was looking through my stuff as I was finishing last night and I was like, Oh, Mike forgot to grab these. So yeah, yeah, I I got it for you. Don't worry.
1: Good. Gotta have, gotta have that. I'm going to have a place out of that. Even though I'm not quote unquote playing water.
0: um, Not yet. You aren't.
1: Not yet. You're right. Not yet. I don't know. I, I'm really digging wind right now. I'm really digging wind. I like winds really fun. Yeah. I like the way it plays.
0: Yeah. I, um, I've I'm I'm having trouble just like now that I have everything sorted I'm ready to start building but I keep going uh, okay maybe I'll build water Xander Ooh, wait water Sylvie could be interesting I kind of wanted to do Wind Xander and I was like I just kind of like yeah, I'm jumping all over the place so I have to like actually settle on a few things to build so we can start putting some content up.
1: All I've done is, lore, I think it's Lorraine decks is all I've faced, and they do that um, that weird thing when they get to level three, and then they show, I think it's Lorraine, they show what's in their memory and they go, oh, I have all these cards, so I get to heal this much and do this much damage to
0: you. No, you're playing Xander decks. Is
1: that Xander? Oh, That's geez. Xander, yeah.
0: He's, uh, he likes to reveal his memory for his and reveal Luxem cards to, do, to trigger effects.
1: Um, yeah, yeah I, I will say one win card, though. One win card, which is what sold me on wind and i only ran one and i biggest mistake ever like when i went i'm like no no i'm running four now it's that uh veiling
0: veiling breeze
1: veiling breeze and oh that is so good just cost one i'm like okay i have three wind cards in my memory you do three less damage for the turn and literally when i do that my opponents literally just go god pass like that's it that's their turn they're done it Time walk ends their turn it's just <laughs> for the old, old Dragon Ball players, that is a time as a warrior's soul. You just play that and go, turn over. There you go. You're, you're done. Or, uh, for the super players, it's a baby hatch yak. You just play mm, that and yeah. like, you're done. Baby hatch. You're done. My
0: turn. <laughs> it really, actually, baby hatch is a really good, I think, comparison to it because it, I mean, your, your opponent's free to do other things. They can, you know, yeah. they get to, they can, they can play more stuff. They can draw some more cards doing all, you know, all this stuff. But like, it, it does just say, if you were trying to do any amount of damage to me this turn, uh, it's not going to
1: happen. Yeah, so. and it's not even... The great thing is, is it, it covers not just, like, direct damage from, like, allies. We're talking, like, the, in quote-unquote, indirect damage. Like, oh, hey, I'm showing these cards, you take X amount of damage. Or, I'm going to do some magic attack, and it's going to do X amount of damage. Like, it just says, you're doing this much less damage. And you're it just sure they could still do damage over you but it just it's a feel bad yeah it's they a lot harder wanna...
0: to get through with anything at that point yeah
1: they don't even want to waste the resources on it there's like oh, fine I'll do it next turn it's your turn and I'm like well thank you
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's um Wind, wind has really, I think, been performing pretty well too in sort of the the early metas we've been looking at, and it's it's got a lot of tools. Like you said, it's like very it's very tempo oriented, you know, yeah. mid mid range style thing. But what we're what we've seen so far is I think fairly typical of how metagames develop uh, in every single card game because the very first dominant decks we saw were fire aggro decks, um, yeah. fire Lorraine, uh, fire little bit of fire Xander. I think mostly fire Lorraine though, just uh jumping in, throwing big damage attacks, and the opponent just, like, can't keep up. And now we've seen the mid-range decks that have learned how to contend with that, which means they've learned to slot in Veiling Breeze and everything like that, and uh, and Deflecting Strike and that kind of stuff. And, and um, so now those decks just can, you know, flip over the fire Lorraine, like, no, you're not doing anything here. um and the next step is to see the control decks who learn how to how to outvalue the mid-range decks and turn the corner on them um so if i had to predict anything it would be the rise of water coming after this um because in grand archive we we have that really cool delineation of like it's not always exactly the case but fire decks tend to be aggro wind decks tend to be mid-range water decks tend to be control um so we'll see we'll see what decks crop up now that uh, can just, you know, take whatever wind's doing and just kind of stop it and, uh, win through inevitability. I like that water Xander, uh, personally, just because you don't have to fight for your win con. It's just revealing lightweaver's assaults until you win. Um, because the, uh, you just, you, when you reveal your memory, every lightweaver's assault, you deal two damage to something. So you, you can kind of build your whole deck around controlling the opponent and just wait to the late game start doing that. The problem is you basically can't beat uh the mirror match. The, the mirror match just goes forever because one Xander is just healing and the other one's doing damage and then you vice versa. Yeah. So um, that's where Rye, Rai, Rai actually that's where like Water Rye would um would maybe do the trick because Water Rye doesn't care about that so much. He's not going to do incremental damage. He'll just go, okay, well I'll triple arcane blast you to win. One
1: turn. Yep. yep. That's all I need. <coughs> Rai just needs one turn. That's yep. Just, yep.
0: Once. Yeah, so Grand arc has been a fascinating metagame to see. Another thing that I feel like is as we've been exploring it more, um, I have been cringing more and more at some of my uh, full card set review thoughts. Um, there's a number of things that I think I'm wrong about. I think I was underselling Floating Memory. Um, I think I was underselling some of these response cards like Veiling Breeze and stuff that, that really are more effective than I thought they were. So I'm really curious to see... Um, you know, I, I look back and, and see what I what I rated everything in the future, because I think it's gonna be very different.
1: <laughs> Do like one of those retrospect videos and just be like, well, on paper, it didn't look that good. However, when we started playing, it was yep. really good. So, yeah.
0: Yep, yep. I think that there's going to be a lot of those, but that's OK. You know, it's point out there. Point is that I just got yeah. my opinion out there and people can go ahead and take it for what it is. Um, I recognize though that uh, wasn't
1: definitely yeah that happens not all the on. time in card games. I, oh, even with card, everyone was just like, oh, like look at uh, Dragon Ball Super with Crimson. Like if you go back and you look when that card came out, everyone was like, oh well, yeah, it's basically a, a watered down <laughs> Soul Striker. Now this ain't gonna see play, and then literally
0: the card
1: gets banned because <laughs> it's so good. So I mean that happens in every card game. Like yeah. you're gonna look at something on paper and. Doesn't look that good, but then you start play testing it and you're like, oh wow. Uh yeah, this is really good. Um Yeah, so um no, it, no big deal. I mean, you know, you just do a retrospect video and you're just like, oh, okay, well, whoops.
0: Yeah, I, I might even just not do that though, and and I think I'll just make sure the next time, like if I do it for set two, I just say, by the way, these are my initial thoughts, they're probably wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably All right, wrong. Mike.
1: Was oh. that Nope, you're you're
0: good. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that's. Uh, I think that covers our banter for today. I think it's time we head right into the main topic, what people came for today. Because I think people came here for Mike's financial advice. So, yeah. um, Mike, I want to talk about this because, as you know, I am not someone who top cuts events very often. Uh, exactly. I am, you know, I I play for fun. I play for theory. I play for social <laughs> networking. Um, I just like to. I like to chill. I like to have fun and play the game with people um, and enjoy the hobby in general. So I don't often, I, occasionally, but I don't often get to leave with a paycheck, uh, from a tournament. So I got to learn some tricks from you, Mike, Mike, how do you, how do you, as someone who also doesn't quite get there a good chunk of the time, um, how do you end up leaving with more money than you came in with on your events? And, And you just go through, talk about some of these events where you've done this and what your tips and tricks are for everyone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first off, um, the big ones where a lot of people um like and, and this goes in any card game like super or anything along that lines are your online events. Um and I'll tell you right now like in super like they have online regionals. They do them like at least once or twice a month where I'll pay thirty, you know, thirty dollars for the entry fee. And the key thing is is you just want to look at the participation prizes and I mean, you're looking thirty bucks, and they're sending you like champion packs, and they're send, um They're not doing it so much now. Like they don't send out mats, but earlier they used to send out play mats. Which uh, let me see if I can back up a little bit here. Right there, you see that? Those are all my play mats.
0: It works really well for the audio listeners, but yeah, for video, oh, you can. Oh say. yeah, those were
1: my bad. I had to back up, but yeah those are all my playmats. maps um, like I literally have tons of playmats, you you know selling those um but really what uh, your online tournaments are almost always a, a plus a positive you're gonna make money um, just just off the participation um playing in these online online tournaments like I've made just an ex is an example like I'll pay thirty dollars going to go into a tournament turn around sell my cards for over a hundred bucks cards alone so um one of the key things is watch out for those online tournaments and there's some of them where you you want the ones that are officially done by you know bandai or the the corresponding company because they're going to have a lot better participation prizes and if you think about it from a financial perspective well a company they're now not paying for the venue right so there's no venue they got to pay for there's no um you know the overhead and they just got to have like an online judge so they're going to have better participation prizes so my first big piece of advice uh participate in online tournaments like pay the 30 dollars and get into those
0: I want to ask a question because I think I think one issue that people have with uh, with this is that when they plan those events, um, they want to they they want those cards, right? So they I think I think we just said it's really worth pointing out that there is a trade off that has to be done here. So if you're if you're looking to make bank uh, and keep the cards that you get from participating in these things i think that typically means you have to you kind of have to top cut right
1: not quite okay so well one and, and what i mean by that is especially when a lot of these and then again this is for any card game like this ain't just super this is any card game <laughs> a lot of times when these cards initially come out right so for like the championship season or what have you what you need to ask yourself is Do I need these cards right now? Mm. Do I need them right now? If you don't need them right now, like if this is like, okay, I want this part of my collection. I want this. Sell them. Sell them. They're going to go down in value. As more and more and more are released into the wild, they're almost, almost always, they're going to go down in value. So ask yourself, do I really need these cards right now? And if I don't, sell them and that goes for the same with your locals right like uh, a lot of these card games they give like local promos or whatever when they first come out you're going to get your players that are going to be like okay i need these cards i need these cards i need these cards but as the players get what they need and more are released then then you're going to be able to pick up cheap a lot cheaper and then you're going to get the collector stuff so that's the key thing you have to ask yourself when you go into these online tournaments if you even you know and again even if you don't need the cards go into the online tournaments and turn around and flip and sell them but if you do need these cards ask yourself be like do i need them right now for my deck like is it a key crucial part of my deck and if it isn't sell them hey mike and rebuy them later
0: stop hitting your desk
1: (laughs) Am I hitting my desk? i it yeah, making a noise? Yeah, you are. No, I even put padding under it because I'm known to Not you
0: tap. You're tapping it. You're tapping it with something. Okay, hands off. Okay. But oh, yeah, that's great. Sorry. Great, great advice. I mean, it's the basic advice, right? It's it's sell high, buy low. In this sell case, it's just flipped low. around. Flip Flipped around from usual because you are going to acquire these things. Um, and the best thing you can do is get them early, get them on the market early. Uh, Get them out of your hands and then buy them later. I know a lot of people are going to be a little hesitant because um, I think a lot of times these events really work off of a fear of missing out on these certain cards. And people are afraid that they are going to go up in value over time, which does happen sometimes. So Mike, do you, do you have any advice you use to gauge whether or not you think these cards are going to be ones you want to hold onto versus pitch right away? Or is it yeah. generally just, you want to sell them most of the time?
1: Um, so it does depend on the meta and the game. So kind of ask yourself, it's like, okay, is this card considered a meta card or is this card like a rogue ish type card? So it's really going to depend, um. Like there are cards that are really like most of the time I'm selling them unless there's something that is like extremely groundbreaking that it's like, okay, this, I feel like this is just going to continue going up in value. Um, Like ask yourself if this promo is so good that they're going to have to turn around and reprint it eventually, you know, just because everyone's going to have access to it. Again, it really depends upon your game, but I will tell you 90% of the time, I'm selling these things. The minute I get them, I'm selling them unless I absolutely positively need them for my deck.
0: Yeah. And, and I think I, I can put a little anecdote into this where um, looking at a different game, not, not Dragon Ball super, which I think we're going to be looking at a lot today just cause that's been sort of your, your domain. But um, so last year at Gen Con, there was uh there were, there was the ex- exclusive My Hero Academia um, universe's promos. Um, and they were exclusive to Gen Con. They were actually very attractive promos, all in a gold foil, using the fantasy artwork from, if you've watched the show, the the ending of season two, um, like the the like end song and everything during the credits, um, had uh, all of the characters dressed up like they were you know like D and D like fantasy style yeah. characters and stuff, um, so they grabbed some of those shots and and just did alternate art promo cards of some popular cards in the game. Um, featuring the the characters and their sort of their fantasy cosplay, basically, um, in a nice looking gold foil and everything. And when, and those were largely participation promos. In fact, there's an All Might that was just, you just had to walk up to them and either show them that you played the game already or demo with them and they gave you a copy of it. Um, and uh, otherwise, they were like, if you entered in the regional, you got the uh, Uraraka meteor showers. If you entered in the provisional, you got. Um, or sorry, that that was the provisional. The regional was the EDA, whatever. There's a, you know, there's a set of these. And, um, when they first got in people's hands, you could go on like Facebook marketplace. You could sell them immediately for like 50 bucks a pop. Boom. Just like, boom, boom, sell them all, just get them out of your hands, make your money back right away. And then if you were to wait for about. Um, uh, how did it, how long did it take? Maybe a month or so after Gen Con was probably where they started to hit, hit the hit lower. Um, you could start to buy them up for eight, ten bucks back if you wanted them and, and just end up with a bunch of money now though, just recently, almost all of those have shot back up to about 30 bucks a piece. If you want to acquire them now, um, So there's an, you know, there's an interesting arc that you can tend to follow with these things. And now, because I think if you think about it, obviously right away that just like the supply was the lowest and the hype was the highest. So that was the time to sell. And then the supply kind of reached its maximum right after Gen Con ended. Everyone got home. Everyone started trying to make a little money back or whatever and and putting them on the market. So then the supply was the highest. And the demand was kind of the lowest just because a lot of people just had them and, they, you know, and they're like, okay, I want to use them or whatever. Um, yeah. And then over time, that supply dwindles, right? And now we're, we're reaching the, it's been about nine months since then. and uh, And now the supply is very low on all of them on the marketplace and the people who want them are willing to pay a bit more.
1: Yeah, and speaking of which, getting into Gen Con and conventions. <clears throat> uh, you want me to get kind of into the next thing, go for right? It. Yeah. 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 The biggest the biggest thing um I will tell you as a card game player, um, go to GenCon. Just go to GenCon. Um, <clears throat> now Gen GenCon costs money to go to. It does, but you're going to get your money back. You're right. It costs money to go to. It does. If you and know what get- you're doing. If you know what you're doing, which oh, I'm gonna help all. I'm gonna, gonna kind of let you know some of the things to do. But yes, Gen Con does cost money to go to. But we, as like we 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 kind of help with the main debt. We like we split the hotel room. We split the. We go with a bunch of friends. Um, we take our you know we'll your split. RV. We take a little, we spend a little more to go in my RV, but we we could ride in a clown car if we wanted to, but why, you know, we want, you know, (laughs) but you can, you can keep the cost down by going with friends and stuff. But the reason why Gen Con is such value added is not, not so much sure your card game, you know, maybe the participation pricing isn't the best. Um, What I love is at least the Bandai card games like Dragon Ball Super, Digimon, um, battles for like they're they're probably going to be offering really really good like a lot of times to do like like you were saying like the the custom artwork the the stamps um I know uh, last year they did the books but the other thing as well is gencon offers a lot of um exclusive items that you can purchase um uh for example the biggest one I'll say is the eBay booth
0: <laughs> yeah eBay.
1: Like I literally, I went to the eBay booth and got their, their eBay card <clears throat> and that alone. I mean, just, just going to the booth, literally just going to the booth, got the eBay game, got the eBay card, got the bag that alone. I sold for 200 bucks. Just going to the booth. literally. Wait,
0: what card? I don't remember what card. I just remember last year we got like, Oh, mm, wasn't. Didn't we get just like either a random magic or a Pokemon pack yeah. or something? Yeah.
1: Well, a little, what did you... little random magic or Pokemon card. And then.
0: How'd you sell that for 200
1: Well, I sold that. Then we got like the game. Well, then you you do know when you go to the booth, they had, uh, you could randomly get like a special edition one.
0: Oh, did, and you got that?
1: No, I didn't get the special edition one. I've it. And here's the other thing. Here's the other suggestion that I do too. A lot of people like when they sell their cards, um, TCG Player is an awesome site. I love TCG Player the biggest problem right now with TCG player is it's only available in the United States. Mm. Okay. You're kind of limiting the market, but if you were to sell on eBay, okay, now eBay actually hits globally. And And it makes it easy.
0: They, they, it makes it easier. It's way easier to do that than it used to be on eBay too. They you can yeah, ship right to shipping. someone in the US and then if you're a US listener, and then it, they'll ship it out for you.
1: Exactly. So as a US yeah. So what they do is they have the eBay, the the global shipping now. So now literally, yeah, you just ship it to eBay and then eBay will ship it uh to the seller. And what's great is I know a lot of you are like, Well, yeah, but what happens if the seller doesn't get it? If eBay ships it out and the seller doesn't get it. You don't pay; eBay pays. I've actually had that happen to me uh, twice. Actually, that has happened when I've shipped it to eBay; they shipped it overseas, and then the overseas they didn't get it. But then eBay refunded it. I still got the funds. Doesn't affect your rating or anything like that. So a lot of those cards, like if you're getting like the the you know the custom artworks and stuff like that. They don't have that. They, a lot of them, they don't have a, that available overseas. So I'll sell that on eBay, and that's how I can get more money for it compared to like if you sold on TCG Player, where only available within the U.S. So Mike, that's one way. Like you can really get a lot of funds from junk.
0: Take your hands and put them in your lap.
1: Did I do it again.
0: You keep doing it. Put your hands in no, your lap. Oh
1: No. Put your All hands right. in your lap. Okay, I want to keep my hands in my pocket, like. There's going to be people in the video in the comments and they're going to they're going to sit there and go a time frame they're like Mike's tapping again. Mike's tapping again.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we need pocket. to stop that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but that's that is great advice. Um using eBay is definitely a great way to do it. I I'm a fan of Facebook Marketplace. I mean, you do have to be careful, of course, yeah. when you're jumping on there, you you know, you have the potential of, of being ripped off in some way, but, uh, there's also a lot of very good, very reputable say- sellers always make sure you're checking for references, ask for references, have them send you something. Um, and if a deal sounds too good to be true, it might be. So make sure you make sure you are doing your due diligence always. Um, if you're going to be selling in just a peer-to-peer marketplace like that, yeah. if otherwise eBay, you know, there is a fee you're going to pay to eBay, but if you are selling things at the right time, you are going to make a lot more money. If I had just sold all my Gen Con promos right away and then bought them all a few months later, I would have made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars that I don't have now. So for my hero, I should have done that. Um, I should have taken Mike's advice at the time and done that, but I was so, you get so entranced by how shiny the cards are and You 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 gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn to let go a little bit. I think, um, so yeah, there, there are certain places at Gen Con that you should definitely hit up. Um, you know, we, we recommend hitting the eBay booth right away because sometimes it, it depends. I think year, year to year, they just started the eBay booth a couple of years ago. It's kind of a new thing, but they are just giving out these, usually these swag bags where you're just going to get some stuff and get some value back just, and you literally don't have to pay anything. You just walk up to them and, yep. and take it <laughs> and then you leave. Um, and, uh, there are also, um, you know, a number of card games who are giving out things for visiting them. Demos. Um, yep. I can't, we can't say right now who's doing what because every year it's a little different. But um, I can say that uh, last year, like I said, Jasco was doing My Hero Academia demos where you got an All Might promo, which... Um, you, even right now you could, you could sell for $30, um, on that, just that single card alone. And for just spending a little bit of your time learning a good game, um, there are always in addition to that, JASCO ran multiple different events that were giving out uh, high value in participation prizes. So I know if, even if you didn't really play the games very much, you could, uh, do a little circuit hitting, um, a number of those, my hero events, and you could have probably sold everything there to pay for um, at least pay for your guests and con badge, if not a good chunk of your yeah. hotel, depending on how it is. Um, yeah. and that right. gives you the whole rest of the con to do the things you like actually want to do. Um, One so did the demo. Yeah. One piece demos. Um, I know every year too, Bushy road does, uh, they just hand out promos for Y shorts. I don't think they're very valuable promos, but you know, you can just kind of walk the con floor and get free stuff. <laughs> <Yeah. There's laughs> and if you a- know the right places, you can get some money out of it for sure.
1: Oh, for sure. Like there are a lot of the, and then also if you hit up a few of the booths at Gen Con and again, and I say Gen Con, this is with any convention. Really, this is any convention. Do your research. Um, there's a lot of con exclusive stuff like, uh, the pop figures, as a matter of fact, um, make sure you're doing some research on a lot of these pop figures. Now you'll notice my pop figure Dragon Ball Super collection back here. Um, There's other things where there's con exclusive of those where you can pick those up. Uh, Just pick up one, turn around, sell it on eBay. Uh, That can actually help pay for your con as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just, just a lot of little things that you can do. I will tell you every year that I go to Gen Con every now, there was one year that I made a lot, which Dan, you know about that.
0: Yeah. Well, you sold your collection to someone there.
1: (laughs) I didn't sell my whole collection. I sold a lot of my, good. yeah, that collection.
0: Your slabs and stuff.
1: Yeah, I remember I was uh, I was uh, contacting people in the group. I was like, listen, I've got over $10,000 in cash. I mean, I need someone to walk back to me with a hotel room. I don't care who. I just just have someone with me. I wish they would have just PayPal'd me. That would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. I would have been like, can you PayPal? No, we have cash. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But no, the, the key thing is, is like, just do your research when you go to a convention, find up the good booths to hit up, make sure you're checking for con exclusives, um, promos, demos, take a little time to do that. And I'll tell you right now, you will make money. Like I make money every year I go to Gen Con. There's never been a year I've went to Gen Con where I've lost money. It, it's always like, I've always got a game plan. I'm going in there. There you go. So that's yeah. my biggest advice when it comes to conventions
0: and just don't be afraid to sell the things right away. Most of the time. I mean, I, I can't honestly, I can't think, I can't think of a single card game promo where it was like, Oh, well you should have just held on to those because indefinitely, cause they only went up in value. It's almost always, they, they start extremely high, they dip way down and then sometimes they climb up later. Um, so I, you know, you do have to be willing, you have to be willing to do a little bit of market research and sell these things right away. But that is, that is how you can, you can travel to more events. You can, you can have more fun playing the card games you enjoy, uh, and actually not take a hit on your wallet like that. Um, And
1: that, and that kind of gets in, you kind of mentioned that, that kind of gets into my next one. Yeah, there are slight exceptions, um, but you can still make a lot of money depending upon when you need the money, and that's when I was going to get into Dragon Ball Super Battle Hour. Go for it, okay? So, recently, um, in Las Vegas, uh, there was Dragon Ball Super Battle Hour, um, for 2023, uh, had an absolute blast. Um, i don't know uh if it's gonna be patreon i did do a video for it um but yeah
0: it'll be on the patreon
1: it'll be on the patreon i did do a video uh, over it for uh the dragon ball super battle hour it took tons of photos videos absolutely incredible now i knew before even going on that trip and i already was talking to the main deck crew about it and they can you know <laughs> they, they were like really i'm like yeah I guarantee you guys, I guarantee you just go. You're going to make your money. I straight up go. didn't believe you. I'm, nope. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, just didn't Dan, Dan, I don't believe you. Yep. Nope, no, nope, you're crazy. I'm like, I'm looking at these prizes. I am telling you right now, a hundred percent. I am going to a hundred percent make my money back. And oh, did I make my money? <laughs> so how I knew this. Um, so not before I signed up. I mean, so signing up was free which was kind of weird with this tournament, but some of the signs that really, and, and I'm not pounding on the desk, I'm just putting up, <laughs> some of the signs that I knew, some of the signs that I knew uh, that really like kind of boom is number one, uh, only a thousand people were allowed to um, to spectate. Uh, there was a limit to how many people could be in the tournament. Um, they mentioned prizing so, even before they kind of got into the pricing, you got to go, okay, this is a world tournament, free to enter. Um, they're, they're mentioning special prizing. Um, there's going to be people, like, they're going to be giving out stuff throughout, you know. This is a world tournament. So, yeah. Um, and Vegas, I mean, uh, I don't know where a lot of you are located. I know even here in North Dakota. We actually have yep, small North Dakota. You bet Fargo Airport. Um, Allegiant Air actually flies directly out of there, and I was able to get round trip tickets to Las Vegas, and it ran me I think it was like five hundred bucks. And then I had some points, and five hundred bucks, and that include my hotel room. That include my hotel room. So, um, really cheap. But I knew right away. I was like, okay, something special is gonna happen here. Like they're either they're gonna sell something special they're going to give out something special something that i'm going to get my money back then they released the pricing and uh i was paying attention to like the dragon ball super group like um uh david kind of mentioned he's like man you guys are gonna like the pricing you're like the pricing like i signed up i signed up then they released the pricing and i knew right away i was telling i was like listen if you can just go pay for the tickets i promise you you're gonna make your money back everything they were giving away and they gave away to be clear uh to uh for participating um you got a um a shirt a special shirt you got um uh what do you call it It, the leader cards uh they all had world stamp leader cards um they were all foiled and then you got like you got other stuff like a pen a poster and then just for, per, like, uh, spectating, the next day, you actually got this three-card pack for, uh, like, Dragon Ball Super. Like, it, it, they were promo cards, but literally the promo card, if you use it, it just says shake your opponent's hand. Oh, yeah, I saw that. It, it's more, yeah, it was more of one of those symbolic cards.
0: Yeah, it's just for fun.
1: For fun. But I knew the spectators, like, they all got them. So the first thing that was thinking through my head was I'm like, okay, like, uh, these are going to be worth a lot. These are going to be worth a lot. And um, as a matter of fact, on that Sunday, when people were coming in and they were getting their their cards, you got to remember, not everyone was in the Dragon Ball Super card game. So, like, I would go up to people and say, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks for your card pack. I'll give you a hundred dollars for your card back, or I'll give you $50, you know, whatever, to get there. Not the one for uh in the Dragon Ball Super game because people knew who were there when they got their cards, they knew what they were going for. But we're talking about the people who were, um, yeah, we're talking about the people like who were just spectating that were they were there for the Dragon Ball Battle Hour to watch either the fighting, like, or maybe, they yeah, were, yeah,
0: fighters or something, so.
1: fighters, yeah. And I was like, okay, hey, give me those card packs. And if you go on eBay, actually, I don't know if you're going to want to go on eBay. For those of you that were thinking about going, I don't think you're going to want to go on eBay to see where that participation prize stuff goes for, because some of you are probably going to start crying, because I will tell you right now, I easily made almost two grand, like just selling, yeah, selling that stuff, just selling what I got, um, Fortunately, I couldn't get any more of the world leader cards, um, the world sample leader cards. But yeah, um, easily, easily made my money back for that trip, and then some. So, and then I got like a free t. I didn't sell my t-shirt. No, I actually wore it yesterday. Mm -hmm. Wore my. I love that man. I love the feeling of that. The white jersey is great. Um, We should make main deck ones of those.
0: (laughs) Make main deck ones. I'll keep that in mind.
1: But, yeah, um, just super, like, I mean, so the key thing there is uh, when you're going to a tournament, th- th- what you want to pay attention to is, are is there going to be, like, special type pricing? And is it, like, is there a limited amount of entries? Because that's, like, a tall tale sign that you're, pro- like, what you're going to have, you're going to be able to sell or flip if you don't want. It. Now, you know. Again, luckily, I didn't need any of the leaders, none of them were Zamasu. there was a Zamasu leader, I would have kept that, everything else would have gotten, like, nope. Um, But you got to ask yourself, okay, is there like a limited amount of people that can enter the tournament? Are they mentioning special pricing? That's really going to help you, you know, like, hey, offset a lot of your expenses, if not all of them, or even make money uh, when you're going to these tournaments.
0: Now, Mike, just just to counterpoint some of our previous conversation here, these um, these exclusive uh, spectator promos. Now, mm-hmm. that, those those have been worth quite a bit more, and it's been you know about a month since the event. Um, are these? I mean, these are these sound different than than what we were talking about previously with like the convention exclusive promos that start really high and then go down, or are do you expect these to go down over time now?
1: The world champ leaders, I feel are either going to stay the same or maybe even go up because those are really super limited. Okay. So those were, and again, that's hard. Cause you do got some people that say, Hey, um, there is a hidden stock that Bandai has that they may give out at another event. Mm. I, I don't know. That one's tough. Um, tough to call that one I could see either staying the same or actually going up in price the spectator ones I feel like are going to go down pretty quick and the reason why is they gave out first off you just had to spectate so it wasn't just those that entered the Dragon Ball Super Tournament it was those that entered or just just spectated just just went to Dragon Ball Battle Hour, uh, you had the thousand participants, which I don't, I don't know if the thousands, if there were a thousand spectators. Sorry, a thousand spectators, and then you had everyone who actually was in Dragon Ball Hour, who was there, players. So you're looking at there's maybe about fifteen hundred of those out. I feel like those that spectated once they figure out what they have, if they kept it, and they know it's worth something. Yeah. then it's going to go down same it was the same thing with the ebay cards right like when they were giving out the ebay cards right away okay um the ebay cards were high value right away like i knew right away the minute i got my ebay card like okay i need to sell this at gen con but then once people started figuring out you know that they got the ebay card they look on ebay they see the value of it now everyone's going to try to start list uh listing their cards and um then it's going to start going down. So I feel like the spectator cards they're going to go down, and the world the world cards are going to say the same thing. May even go up. So,
0: so how do you how do you make that sort of decision when you're looking at these whether you should dump something right away or hold on to it?
1: Again, it it comes down to, and I mean, a little background about myself. I do have a triple major. I am a marketing economic banking and finance major so i know like a little bit of the economic stuff like the up and down curves and and basically it's like looking at your card game and look you know you all know like for your each individual card game like there's gonna be that card like for example dragon ball super like who's extremely popular goku vegeta um so when you're looking at the um the god rares that are in the box like the first god rare that comes out right like that card because it's it's gonna go up in value
0: because it's vegeta
1: because it's vegeta but mm-hmm. say when they did the next god rare and it was bardock well bardock i mean he, he you know there, there are bardock fans but not as popular as your main characters of goku and vegeta so bardock i think i haven't checked the price on uh God, Bardock, but I believe it's kind of doing this. A little bit it's of a dip down. Answer. Yeah. So you, I mean again, in in your card game, you're gonna know like Pokemon is Charizard. Uh Digimon, uh Wargrave, or Omnimon. Any uh, and
0: yeah, yeah. any anime TCG that has uh women in it also has a waifu tax that applies like absolutely like yep. you said Pokemon is Charizard. That's that's true. Also, it's any anime girl in Pokemon is where the value is at. Um, My Hero Academia, it's any any of the cards with girls on them. Uraraka, Toga has been a big one. Um, those, are, those are characters where you're going to uh, be able to bank money. And then to some degree, I feel like All Might cards tend to also be a little more um, of a safe bet. But I think a lot of it, too, is looking at your game and determining... Um, you know, if are am I selling these to collectors or excited, you know, collector player hybrids? There's the people who who you know sometimes myself included who like to play the game. The point is I'm playing the game, but when I play the game, I like to play it in style. I want to have the fancy looking cards. So that's sort of the that's right. the like what I mean when I say like a collector player hybrid. And um, for those players, it's it's sometimes the cards I think that are more competitively playable cards that have a fancy new version or something Yeah. are things where you can, you can, I think very quickly unload those, but then over time, those might not actually sustain because they're, they're really being hyped up just on how playable they are Um at the end yeah. and at the moment in the meta, you know, specifically. Um, yeah. That's
1: like, for example, when I, with the world's like going over those participation cards, those cards have zero playability. They're yeah. zero. Nothing. I mean, literally, I think, if I remember right, the card costs seven and it just says shake your opponent's hand. Yep. Um, but so the key it's just do your research. Like every game's going to be different. Do your research and then ask yourself and just be like, okay, is this going to be something where, you know, is there a limited supply? Um, if there's a limited supply of it, you know, don't, don't just sell on TCG player open it up, sell on eBay, because then you're going to get people, um, globally. And yeah, not everyone globally can attend the U S events, especially if it's only within the U S, you know, so just do your research on that. And then that's how you can, um, you can make a lot of your money when you go to conventions and a lot of time just for participating, we're talking not even time. Now, if you top cut, that's a different, <laughs> you top cut, you better get like, you're, you're, yeah. I think with worlds, um, uh, I think Marcus said, uh, I have to follow up with Marcus, but I think he was selling his top cut world uh, Gohan card, um, Gohan, Beast Gohan. If you don't know what that is. I'm not going to get into details. Just go watch the movie. <laughs> but um, I think he sold that for over 10 grand. I think he ended up getting for that. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you top cut, if you ain't getting your money back, um, I would definitely probably uh, talk to your card game. I'd be like, um, yeah, maybe we need to up the prizes a little bit or. But um, you don't like a lot of people just have this. If I don't top cut, I'm negging. And it's like, well, no, you just do your research. And um, yeah, there's ways that you can reduce the costs going on trips. Go with friends i said we go to gen con keep it nice and cheap um and have a really good time and yeah just get uh, exclusive cards playing online events um online events you're just sitting at home 30 bucks just easy they you know dragon ball does it all the time so
0: my hero does it
1: yeah but there's no reason you shouldn't be attending those events no reason get them and yeah those are cards you can easily flip right away on tcg player if it's towards the end of the season and you're getting again and this is do your research um towards the end of the season they're giving you participation prizes and it's uh quote-unquote old stuff
0: yeah it's the stuff they've been giving out at previous tournaments for a while already
1: exactly so look at the prices
0: because that that stuff is just not going to have the same value
1: Exactly. Yeah. Look at, like, go on TCG, look at the prizes, go, okay. Um. You could create like a cost benefit type model where you go, okay, I've got a one out of, let's say there's five cards in the pack. And like one of them is worth this much, you know, you could add up, you know, not getting too complicated, but you literally could add up the cost of every one of those cards divided by five to get your average. Mm-hmm. And then you could go, okay, am I getting, you know, am I going to be able to net, you know, playing in this event or whatever? Shouldn't be the only reason you should play, but you could look to see and go, okay, am I going to get my money back? Or am I going to be net? Like have that set expectation before you even go into the event.
0: And the last thing I want to mention too about this is that there's, there's a, there's sort of a subtext we haven't been discussing, in this, which is that all of this is sort of dependent on other players who don't know what's going on, you know, buying your cards from you. Um, and the, you know, I want to be really clear that, um, you know, just ethic, ethically speaking, the, the there's, if there's a buyer, if there's a willing buyer, then, you know, then they're a willing buyer. But I think, um, and I and I think there's always just in any in any part of TCG economics, from trading to buying and selling cards with people, um, your intention is always just should always just be to get the proper a fair proper deal for both players. Have both both people yeah. walk away um pleased with their result. Now, as listeners of the podcast, we have to tell you that uh I want you guys to get good deals on things because that's yeah. our goal here is to provide you with good advice. So I recommend um, for, you know, take the flip side of this advice. If you're looking at buying and selling or buying cards specifically, which is that if uh, if those new hot Gen Con promos just came out and you can't make it to the con or something or you only got three and you want a fourth to play with or whatever. Well, if you only got three, sell them. And then, you know, wait a little bit and then buy 10 if you want to, you know, yeah. when they're cheap. Um, and if you if you can't make it to the con to do any of this, just some of these things, just as Mike said, do your research. Think about the cards. Think about where these are going to go. And then for a lot of cards, you'll want to just wait and then buy them a little later. For some things, if you wanted to buy those like world champ leaders or something, you might want to think about getting them right away. Um, however, I, I also want to point out that, I, you know... There, there's an aspect of this which is a a promo saturation that sometimes hits with things oh. where, uh, if you know these world champ leaders are probably awesome, we don't know what they're gonna print down the line. If maybe they print the leaders again uh, in a different promo form, and ooh that's kind of the hot new thing, and that dips the you know dips the other ones down, um, and maybe they fall out of favor in the meta eventually over time, less people are just looking for them. Cause like, I don't, you know, I don't really care yeah. about them. I'm not going to play them or anything. It's where that player mentality comes in. Um, and then they dip over time. So there are a number of factors to be aware of, and some of them are very difficult to predict, but we will just want to help you guys make the best decisions possible. I need to start listening to my own advice here as well. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, <laughs> and, 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 well, two things. So first off, uh, yeah, if we were a hundred percent accurate all the time, uh, I'd be rich. Dan like all these all these shops, like your locals, they would be rich. Mm-hmm. There's going to be your ups and downs. And finally, not to play devil's advocate with Dan, but well, not Devil's Advocate, but the seller side. Just to kind of mention for those of you that are selling the cards. Yeah, um, keep in mind, I mean, again, you're the one that went to these events, you're the one that paid to go to the event, you're the one that took time off work or vacation. I know a lot of you don't have, you know, maybe not have a ton of vacation time. Maybe you had to bribe your boss and you had to pay them <laughs> or whatever. No, right.
0: We're not advocating that. No, we're not
1: advocating that. Like, <laughs> <message. clears throat> Please don't do this. Don't get fired. But like, again, you're the one that took the time to go to the events and do this. So don't necessarily feel like, okay, wow. Yeah. I'm selling these for a premium that you're feeling, bad about it. No, no, no. You're the one that took the time to go to the event and went to the event and do all that and so, you know, yeah, you want to make up for what you had to pay for the event. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: I think yeah, and I, that's a really great point and that's a really good way to put it, I think. On the, on the flip side, the the buyer is someone who is just like when you're selling you're taking a risk that this is, you know, this could potentially go up. The buyer is taking that same risk. They're just on the other side thinking you know what? I think this might go up. I'm gonna take the gamble and buy it right now instead. Um, and you know, the the question ultimately is just who was more, who who had the better assumption of what will happen, who had the better guess nope. as to what the market's gonna be like. It's not really a. I don't I don't necessarily view that kind of thing as taking taking advantage of uh people um, or anything. I think some people might think that way, but you know, there are certainly unethical ways to do it. I think, yeah, but right. As long as you're, you know, you're just being transparent. You're like, here's the price people are buying at. Someone says, okay, you know, I'd like to buy it at that. You go, okay, good deal. Like, Adam, yep. well, you know, both of you leave with your own assumption of what the future is going to be like. And one of you will be right. And our experience, this is some of our advice that helps you maybe guide your decisions. If you haven't had this experience before um, and can maybe help you make some decisions that hopefully keep you as the main deck listener on that side that is uh, in the green Later on, or in the black rather rather than in the red. So, um, Mike, do you have any last uh, last tips for everyone?
1: Um, no. I mean, the key thing that I'll tell all of you, just again, do your research. Every game is different. You know, all of you, you know, know who your popular characters are in the game. If it's an anime game, <laughs> Waifu, you know. Waifu tax. Yep. Yeah, waifu tax. I mean, again. And then look to see, I mean, are they exclusives? When when you see that big, bold word and it says exclusive for the event, that's a tall tale sign that this card, like, it's going to be limited. So, you know, and then, yeah, Gen Con, make sure you're checking out the different booths and do, again, do your research because, um, yeah, you're going to have to initially invest a little bit of money to go to Gen Con or you know, what have you, but the returns, if you know what you're doing, you can come out on the positive and then go with friends. I mean, don't travel by yourself. Don't, don't do what I did to dragon ball battle hour. I mean, I wish I could have had a few people come with me.
0: We just didn't believe you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll
1: believe you next time, (laughs) (laughs) but that's okay. I still had a blast, but, um, yeah, I mean, go with friends. Um, so much fun with friends and, uh, yeah, that'll really, really help. Um, when it comes to lowering your cost to go to the tournament and then yeah, online tournaments. That's the other thing. Do online tournaments and look at the participation pricing. Especially if it's the new like the new promos coming out. Just just enter.
0: If an online event is early in a season, that's a really great opportunity yeah. now. The, but then you, of course, we do have to, you have to make sure that you get your prizes shipped to you in a timely manner. That's not always the case with these online events. And that yeah. can be very frustrating.
1: Uh, research the TO. Yeah. Research the tournament organizer.
0: Absolutely. No, that's great advice. That's yeah. a great extra piece to add there. Check out who the TO is. Do they have a history of shipping things quickly or slowly? Um, see what other people have said about their previous online events and and use that because one of the most frustrating things in the world can be playing one of these events and then waiting for your prizes and watching people who go to in-person ones selling things at a premium and watching that price go down and down and down and you're still twiddling your thumbs waiting for your stuff to arrive. Oh, that can be
1: tough. So frustrating. Oh, yep. 100%.
0: All right, well, Mike, uh, this, I think, was a very interesting episode. I hope people found it helpful or fascinating. I think for some people, this will have been very obvious advice to you. And if so, I just hope you enjoyed listening to the chat. But I do know that there are people out there who can use this advice or perhaps at least just a reminder that, hey, you know, like to myself, maybe I should take this advice a little more seriously and actually actually listen to it instead of just preaching and and uh, not following through with it. So. Um, that is going to do it for episode number 30 of the main deck podcast. We will be back once again next month with episode 31 chatting with one of our usual co-hosts about something and it's not planned. So we have no idea, but whatever is interesting and, uh, and timely, we'll be talking about it next month. So hope you guys enjoyed. That's going to do it for today's main deck podcast. We will see you guys in the next one.
1: See you everyone.